0: Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace-Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. What's up, friends? And I am so glad you joined for this episode. Today, I'm gonna talk about starting and running a profitable service-based business, which is what I do for most of my time. And by service-based, I mean that you're providing a service like coaching, consulting, marketing, rather than a product like a book. And I have both in my business, but I like to share lessons learned from lived experiences. And my experience on the product side is about an inch deep right now. It's something new and I'm, I'm learning a lot, but I can't tell you yet what leads to success or failure. So I don't have full lessons learned. So I want to stick with what I know better, which is the service side of a business. And so just for context, as many of you all know, I worked for other organizations for about 20 years after getting my PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. So, you know, all of the organizations I worked for were pretty large, uh, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 type organizations. And in all of them, I worked in human resources, You know, training and development, organizational development, talent management type roles. And then about six years ago, I launched a consulting business that focused on doing a lot of those same things um, that I'd done throughout my career. And so really from the time I launched the business, I started taking down lessons I was learning because the business process was just so interesting to me. And I always had this idea of starting maybe a blog about new business owners or doing something with it. And so I'm super excited about this because this is my chance to share some of the lessons I took down and learned over the last kind of six and a half years. And I'm grouped these lessons into three categories. So ideas and lessons learned, the joy and the pain of starting a service-based business. And when I think about lessons learned, it's just things I've learned, but I'm also going to share some of my favorite resources, which are books. That relate to that lesson. And you know, a lot of times I learned something from a book or a podcast or a conversation with someone. And then I figured out how to apply it. So I'm going to share the resource I initially got it from and also how I've applied it. The joy, what I've loved most about starting and running this business. And then also the pain, what's been most challenging, and partly what I miss about my roles in organizations when I was working for, you know, someone else's organization, because there does seem to be a lot of focus right now on starting businesses, which I think is great and amazing. And I also know that for myself, I could not have started this business successfully without all my time in those organizations. I love my roles. I learned so much from a knowledge standpoint, a growth, you know, what my strengths and opportunities were. I built a network. um, I honed my skills. So my time in organizations was actually amazing. And I really value both. And still now I do subcontracting for some larger organizations, primarily because you just learn so much when you get to work for kind of people who are doing it at a bigger level and doing other things. It's just such a great learning experience. So I want to share the lessons learned, the joy and the pain so you can figure out what's right for you. So whether you are a business owner or you're thinking of starting a business or you were just ever interested in what it's like to run a service-based business, then this episode is for you. Because again, I'm going to share the lessons, the joy, the pain, and honestly, even the preparation for this felt somewhat cathartic. (laughs) So I look forward to sharing with you those things throughout this episode. So I'll start with the lessons learned and some of my favorite resources related to it. And the first one is, the first lesson I learned was to be clear on the kind of business I was creating. So be super clear on the kind of business I was creating. And my favorite resource for this is a book called The E-Myth. And the E in this book stands for The Entrepreneur Myth. And the book describes a lot around what it means to be an entrepreneur. And I'm not doing a review of the book. I'm really taking what I got from it. But what I took from it and the suggestion is that most small business owners aren't actually entrepreneurs. Most of us create jobs for ourselves instead of actually creating a business. And in the book, they talk about these options, kind of creating a job for yourself or are you actually creating a business being an entrepreneur? And so I'll just describe the differences and tell you how I was able to apply it and how I'm still applying it. You know, a job is when you're working, let's say as a contractor or you're getting work from other people and you're doing the work. And, you know, so you yourself are doing the work that you procure. So the author talks about that as basically creating a job for yourself. And of course, a job for yourself provides some real benefits. There's probably more flexibility. It's probably more diversified because if you're working for five different people, even if you lose one contract, you still have the other four, you know, as opposed to when you're working a job for one company, if you lose that one, it's gone. So it's more diversified, you know, and there are drawbacks around health benefits you probably don't get and lots of things like that. But at the end of the day, you're finding work for yourself and the author would call that a job. A business, on the other hand, is when you're creating work for other people. So yes, you may know the technical side of the work. You may do some of that sometimes. But your goal is not to do the work yourself. Your goal is to create a profitable business model, a profitable way of operating so that other people are doing the work. And that was so helpful to me in thinking about my own business. Because even today, I currently have a bit of both, right? So in some ways, I have a job, which is intentional, I love the work I do. I feel called to the work I'm doing. Dr. Rachel talks about it as a God job. And I feel like coaching is a part of my God job. You know, a lot of the work I do, I just feel called to do it. So yes, in some ways I want to create work for myself because it's the work I feel called to do. But in other ways, I've created a business. You know, I have tools and way of working and processes so I can hire people to help with different aspects of the work, whether it's the coaching work, you know, for clients that maybe I can't serve, or other aspects of the business. And I'm leaning even further in that direction as I work on some of the products I'm creating. So in some ways I have a job and in some ways I have a business. And regardless really of what you're looking to create, a job or a business, it's super important to be clear about what your goal is and what the benefits and drawbacks are of each one. So I'll just tell you a little bit about what I've seen as the benefits and drawbacks. The first one is when you have a job that you've created for yourself, you know, unless you're able to automate that job through AI or some kind of, you know, other automation, then you're probably the one doing the work. And when you're doing the work, your financials are, you know, are limited based on how much work you can do. So how many hours can I put in is going to be directly related to how much money I can make. And that was one of the lessons that led me to say pretty early on, I think like in the first year of being in business, that I realized I've created a job for myself. This isn't a business because I don't have an ability to scale it. So, you know, there are benefits of a job, but the drawback usually is that you're capped. You're capped on both your finances and you're capped on your reach and you are very tied into the work. With a business, you're hiring other people to do the work, which is what I learned. So my financials, my reach, there's really no cap to it because it's not limited by the hours I can put in in that particular area. So the biggest lesson from this, I guess, is to say, be clear about the type of business you're creating, be honest about the benefits and drawbacks of whatever model you're putting in place, and then just be committed to revising it as you learn and grow. You know, when I first started the business, I really wanted to do it myself because one of the things I was looking for, I thought, I learned later, I didn't really value this as much as I thought, but I thought I was looking for freedom from, you know, some of the responsibilities I had in the organization, whether it was people management, staff meetings, like all the things that come along with that. I thought I wanted freedom from that. So I didn't think I wanted a team, but it was pretty early on that I realized one, I missed the team. And two, I was limiting my business. So just be clear on what it is you want and create a model that works for you and always go back to it. So you can revise that model as you learn and grow and um, learn different things about what you want. Okay. My second lesson learned is to Write it down and revisit it often. And this is also something I learned from my husband about just achieving big goals. So, write it down and revisit it often. And definitely be clear on your financial goals because that was a big piece for me. And as I talk about my book, my financial goals initially were super important to me. You know, my husband and I had a financial plan in place before I started this business that was aligned to our retirement goals, you know, just the things we wanted to do later in life, schooling for my daughter the ability for us to give to others in the way we wanted to give. So you know, when I started the business, I wanted to make sure the financial metrics could be met because that was huge for me. That was essentially one of my deciding factors on whether or not I kept doing this as a business or I go back to working in an organization. So it was super important to me. And I know some people, and I've learned more now that I've been in business a while, met other people who are doing business differently. And there certainly are people, especially people with product-based businesses, or people that maybe got seed money to fund their business differently that have time to create this profitable model, meaning they don't need to make money day one. I actually needed and wanted to make money day one. Like that was my goal and I wanted to make money as soon as possible because I was trying to replace essentially what I'd had in my organizational roles to make sure we still met our financial goals. So that really changed how I operate. I was super clear on that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it was my reality, and I was clear on that, and that changed a lot about how I operated. So it meant I said yes to projects, lots of different kinds of projects, because I was just so happy to have them. I was like, yes, money coming in, I'm happy to do it. Um, so I said yes to all kinds of projects. And I also didn't do a lot of what I would call fun business things that I wanted to do because I couldn't see the connection to you know them being revenue generating. And one thing you'll find when you start a business is that there's a small business community. And I know in my community, I'll say for sure, I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm guessing in yours that the small business community is super active. You know, So whether it's your chamber of commerce, industry groups, networking groups, learning opportunities, uh, workshops, you know, opportunities to speak at different association meetings or to get involved with the school system opportunities for small business owners and leaders really abound. And they are super fun. (laughs) You get to meet other business owners. You get to learn from them. Sometimes you're pouring into them. And I love going to so many of those things. But in doing those things initially, I met, you know, several, at least a few business owners that weren't yet profitable. And that scared me because, again, I told you financial metrics were like number one for me initially. And so that scared me because I didn't even know that was possible, essentially. You know, I didn't understand startups at the time and how there may be seed money. And so you have a longer time to be profitable. I didn't understand some of the investment strategies people were using. And then there are a lot of people who like being in business for different reasons other than the financials, meaning, you know, maybe it was a passion business for them. Uh, Maybe they'd already retired. So it was extra income. And so maybe they wanted to make some money, but they weren't really focused on a certain amount. It was just lots of different reasons. And I quickly learned like their reality is not my reality. So that made me say no to a whole bunch of things that I thought would be fun, but just weren't contributing to the financial metrics and financial goals I'd set for myself. So being clear on that, again, not saying it's right or wrong, but clear on what's important to me made it easier to decide, you know, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, what I was going to say yes to, what I was going to say no to, until I became profitable and built up a cushion that allowed me to do some different kinds of things, you know, invest in longer term strategies, you know, invest more in just some of the development things for myself. So until that happened, I was super clear. So my lesson and my suggestion even is to write down your goals And if your financial goals are one of those key metrics for you, especially that, making sure you have that listed. And, you know, even I've grown in that because last year, it was last year, might have been 2020, but I participated in the Goldman Sachs 10K small business program. And I learned so much about financials there that I even began forecasting my business, which I really hadn't done as much. I had goals. I hadn't done the details to say, okay, where, how am I going to meet those goals? Like, how can I really forecast to make sure I'm going to meet those goals in the future? So write down your goals in a really detailed way and then be clear on the other goals too. So financial metrics are super important for me, but you know, now I have other goals in the business that are also super important to me. Yes, I want to meet the financial goals, but I also want to live my life in a certain way. I've had this goal of having a four-week sabbatical really for the last couple of years. COVID came in and kind of messed that up because my goal was to take the sabbatical in another country and work from that other country for about four weeks or so and not do a lot of work, maybe a few meetings, but primarily take it as a sabbatical. And COVID messed that plan up for me a bit. And I'm not quite there yet, but this year I am able to take a few two-week sabbaticals, which have been amazing. And that's one of my goals, but I have to set up the business so it could operate with me. You know, not being around very much for two weeks. So I say all that to say the lesson in that was just to be super clear on your goals and what it is you're looking for. And then the part two of that is to revise it often. So I'd met with a business advisor kind of my first year, probably my first year in business. And one thing he recommended was have a work on the business day regularly meaning you're not doing the work, you know, you're not returning calls to clients or customers, et cetera. You're literally getting at a macro level to look down on your business, almost from a a separate, you know, a little separation as though you're just evaluating it to say, is the business delivering what I want? Is it working in a way that I'm pleased about and have those days regularly? And so I pretty much have had them quarterly until this year, actually. And so this year doing this preparation also reminded me, I got to get back to that, uh, but have a quarterly day where you're just once a quarter working on the business. I'd say at least once a quarter. Sometimes I did it every other month, depending on what was going on. And, you know, I'd use those days for lots of things. I'd look back at the business plan to see if I'm on track or I'm not. I might use it to learn new things. You know, the book I mentioned, emoth, I actually read that emoth. I read it during one of those kind of days when I was just focused on the business. I've used it to drive to lakes just to sit by the lake and think about my business and my life. And are they well, you know, aligned in terms of what I'm looking for? So write it down. Be super clear and honest about what's important to you, you know it's your business. So be honest about what's important to you and then revisit it often. So that's the second lesson, write it down, revisit it often. My next lesson learned is to take on the lens of your customer, your client, um, whoever's purchasing things from your business. So I remember it was probably year two, maybe in the business and I'd signed up for a coaching session with a kind of a business, you know, they offered business coaching And they asked me to send them all my things before we had the coaching session, like my website and what my business was about and, you know, all these things. And I remember in that session, the person said something so helpful to me, which is they'd gone to my website and they said, I don't understand your business. I was like, what what do you mean? Like my website was so clear to me. um, And it was beautiful. Honestly, it was beautiful. I've gotten that note from several people. I love great aesthetics. And, you know, the woman said, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand what you do. I don't understand the problem you're solving. You know, I don't understand what you would do for me. And I was like, whoa, that, <laughs> that is shocking to me. But now that I look back at it, I totally understand it. Like first thing, you know, the name of my core business is Anelra Talent Solutions. And Anelra is my name backwards, which I love. But of course that, you know, has no meaning to anyone else. It's not an actual word. And then talent solutions could literally be anything. Uh, being in the HR space, you know we focused a lot on talent management talent development so talent had a lot of meaning to me and probably to other people who've worked in you know the space i've worked in and i chose solutions because at the time i was offering so many different things like i couldn't just say talent selection or hiring or or training because i was doing all the things so i said solutions because my goal in the business which still is is to provide pragmatic solutions to people that actually work you know scientific based pragmatic solutions to people that work so it made complete sense to me but I mean I and I had gotten these questions before you know if I was just talking to someone I said at Nell talent solutions when you hear the word talent a lot of people think actors or actresses uh, they're just not sure what it meant and so I really took that to heart and I went back to the website and revised and simplified the language on the website I simplified how I talked about the business. I created a couple of graphics that helped explain it. So my lesson learned from that was to really look at things from the perspective of your customer or client, you know, and not myself, which is really difficult in your own business because lots of times, you know, when we start a business, especially our own business, part of that is our own self-expression. It's our own creation and, you know, it's very unique and individualized. Yes, but... Oftentimes how we see the business from our own lens is really different from how our customers or clients might see it. And I've learned that how I see it is not always what's helpful to the client. So definitely take the lens of your customer or client. And I used it, one of my favorite resources in this is a book called Building a Story Brand. Building a Story Brand. And story brand, I think is all one word. But that book kind of tells you how do you tell the story of your business and I first used that book actually to figure out the name of my book, because I knew what I wanted to say. I knew like the content of the book. I knew what people found valuable, but the name of it was really hard. I've told you all probably this several times before my initial name was here to there because I wanted people to understand how to move from where they are to where they most wanted to be. But as I tested the name of that with different people, they didn't understand it. They were like, like, what do you mean here to there? Where are you going? Like, they just didn't resonate and they weren't taking from it what I intended. So I used this book to come up with the title, You Deserve to Love Your Job. Because at the end of the day, you know, what I wanted people to walk away with, my client to walk away with is that, or the consumer of this book to walk away with is that I do deserve to love my job. And I know once people decide that's true and they believe it's possible, they'll figure out how to do that. But you have to start with believing it. So that also came from this idea of taking on the lens of the customer or client. So building a story brand, love that book. And the lesson learned is as much as possible when you're looking at your website, your marketing materials, thinking about the services you offer, take on that perspective of a customer or client. And it can be hard to do that yourself. So get other people involved. Like I sent stuff to my, I I still do send stuff to my parents or my sisters or my friends. Like they're often my test cases. Like y'all understand this. Does this make sense to you? And I'll share later how I also use different client insight as well. But yeah, taking on the lens of your customer or client can help you think about and market your business differently and better. My next lesson learned is refine, refine, refine. And what I mean by that is refine what you're offering, like what your service offering is and get really clear on it. When I started the business, I told you all my main goal was the financial metrics. So I did all the things. You know, I'd worked with people in lots of different ways. So they knew me for lots of different things. Some people knew me for training. Some people knew me for org design type work. Some people knew me for coaching, which is, you know, where my my real love and passion sits. Some people knew me for competency modeling, creating competency models. Some people knew me for hiring and selection because I'd done all those things in my roles. So when people came to me, oftentimes from my network looking for work, looking for me to do some work, they often had lots of different things in mind. And I did lots of different things because I was focused on my financial metrics. And I've also heard that from several other people in service-based businesses, that when you start, you're often doing lots of things for lots of reasons. It could be the financial metrics driving it. It could be that you haven't yet figured out what you love most and what you most want to do. There are lots of reasons, but I hear this is pretty common that you're doing all the things. And I think it's easier to do in a service-based business, especially when you are the service provider initially, because in a product-based business, it takes a lot of effort to create a particular product. And you're probably not going to have the time or energy or resources to invest in a thousand products. But when it's you doing the work and you don't have a lot initially, it's really easy to do lots of different things. So for me, it's been a process over the years of refining, refining, refining to get to you know, a really tight service offering, which I now offer, which is in coaching, individual group coaching, but it's still all basically starts with coaching as the focus. But it took me years to get there. And one of the tools I use that helped me to do that is, I, and I still have this, but I look at my business and I had a list of like things I love, things I like. I had a meh list, like, you know, it's okay. It's not, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It just is what it is. Um, And then I had a, I really don't like it list. And as I did different projects, different work, both the work I was doing and also the kind of elements of the business, managing the business elements, invoices, marketing, those kind of things. I would write it down in one of those categories and it helped me to figure out what it is I really love. It also helped me to figure out what I could start hiring other people to do. Cause some of those things I didn't love were still things that had to get done for the business. So I couldn't not do those, like refine it out, but I could hire someone else to do it as the, you know, as the financials made it possible. But it really helped me refine what I was doing. And at the end of around the end of 2020, I made the biggest refinement and I cited that as a business, we were only going to focus on coaching engagements. Might be individual, team, group, but, you know, this kind of consulting side, service based size of the business, was only gonna focus on coaching. And at the time I was doing a lot of coaching, but coaching was not my most profitable element of the business. So this was a huge decision for me because one, it was refining it to what I loved, but it also felt risky to me because it wasn't the most financially, it wasn't the highest revenue generating area of the business at the time. But what I've learned from that now is doing one thing well, it's just so rewarding is one. And it's so much more valuable in the business because when you do a small number of things well, and right now we're focused on one thing primarily, you can get really good at it, right? All your efforts are focused on making that one thing better. So you yourself can get better and you can create better tools, processes, learnings, insights in the business so that you can do that one thing. Amazing you can create better operational processes around it. So as you hire other people to do it, you have ways of doing it that you can help them understand. And then I learned from a marketing aspect that it's way easier to market one thing than a thousand things. So as you talk to people and as I talk to people at what I do, coaching is super easy to explain. Um, When I was doing you know, talent solutions. (laughs) That took some time. It was like, you know, I couldn't just say this is what I do. I'd like, these are the kinds of things I do. What are you looking for? Uh, But coaching is very easy to explain. So I think it makes me better in marketing the business as well. And that side of the business has grown. Like that side of the business has grown, is continuing to grow because I think it's just easier to market one thing. And toward the end of this year, early next year, we're going to kind of redo the branding so that we can you know, be even better in showcasing that. So this was a timing thing for me. I couldn't have done this year one in the business one because of really, I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. And I didn't know this was the area I wanted to build a business around. There were some other things I'd done where even after I did it and it was successful, I was thinking, I don't want to do that again. So I definitely don't want to build a whole business around it where I have now other people doing the same work I didn't even want to do. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't get excited about that. Coaching, I can get super excited about. So my lesson learned is refine as much as you can. And that doesn't mean you have to do one thing. Like I'm doing coaching on the kind of service side of the business. But as you know, I have the book that I'm writing. So we have the podcast. There are other elements I'm doing, but they're still all related to the coaching side of the business. So I guess challenge yourself to refine, not saying you can refine day one because you may not have enough information to do it, but continually challenge yourself to refine. And even recently, I've started refining on just the type of coaching that I do versus the type of coaching that other people on our team might do. So I'm still refining even within that, and that has been super helpful, I think, to me in one having more confidence in what I'm doing, and being able to do it in a you know at a higher level for my clients and customers. So refine, refine, refine. My next lesson learned in the service-based business is that being busy is not the goal. <laughs> and I feel like there's so much more discussion around this than there used to be, but still this idea is countercultural. You know, we taught a class, we have a class in our business that we used to teach and we use in coaching around personal productivity. And one of the things we learned and I've learned is that being productive is not the same as being busy. Being productive is not the same as being busy. Being productive is getting the most important things done. And if you can do that in two hours instead of eight hours in your own business, there is no brownie point for working the other six hours, right? So it's about getting done the most important things. And this is really hard to adjust to. You know, I still work a similar, somewhat similar schedule to what I worked in corporate roles, primarily because, you know, that's when my clients are working as well. But I changed my mornings quite a bit from this concept. I've changed my mornings quite a bit. So I I really have a couple hours in the morning where I spend you know, getting ready, feeding the dog, all those kind of things, Um, but also reading my Bible, journaling. I take a walk every day just to get in the right space for the work and for my clients. But that's because I've decided that's super important to what I'm doing. And again, being busy is not the goal. And I said, this is counter-cultural because you get a lot of messages from people, even as a business owner, around the goodness of being busy. So, you know, when you talk to people, they say, oh, hey, well, how's business going? If you say, I'm busy, I'm really busy. They're like, oh, congratulations, which I understand what they're saying, because they're saying that if you're busy, they're equating that to your business must be profitable and doing really well. That is not the case. You know, uh, being busy does not necessarily relate to profitability. and in your own business, you have the chance to learn that differently, maybe than you do when working for other people. When they're you're expected to work a certain amount of hours a week, there is no expectation of that in your own business. You may work more than forty. You may work ten. It honestly, it's just about did you get done what's most important for your business. And I think the resource for me that helped me the most with this was the book called The Four Hour Work Week. And you know, when I talked to other people that read the, read the book as well, I don't think most people walk away actually having a 4-hour work week. The author is amazing in kind of how they how, you know, he teaches you how to set up your business and to make things automated and lots of great ideas, but I think the point in the 4-hour work week is saying that you need to create a work week that makes sense for you and your business and your life, and what's most important, the number of hours you're working doesn't matter. There's no brownie point for working extra hours. And that having worked in organizations for 20 years where, you know, most of my roles, it's not like they were counting the number of hours I was working. It was more results driven, but still, you know, I would never have worked 30 hours a week. That would have been missing expectation probably. So it's just very different. It's a very different concept. And so I think what's helped me the most is kind of back to being clear on my goals. Yes, I have financial goals. I have life goals I mentioned to you the sabbatical that I talked about. I have giving goals around, you know, giving away percentage of the profit in the business and also the percentage of time to charities and just other businesses, groups, nonprofits I believe in and just always reminding myself that in those goals being busy isn't one of them. So if I can work 4 hours and deliver those goals, amazing. If I need to work 60 hours and deliver those goals, amazing. I may not want to do that every week. But if I do it, that's fine too. So the lesson is to be really clear on your goals in the business and be willing to let go of ways of working or living that no longer serve you or serve your business. I keep wondering if I, one of the things I keep noodling around with is this kind of eight to five schedule I've created for myself. Oftentimes it's later than that, or I work on the weekends. But what I do, you know, when I take off during the week for something else, In my mind, I'm thinking, when are you going to make up those four hours, (laughs) which is not what you want to do. That makes zero sense in your own business. You don't need to make up time just to make up time. So you have to constantly challenge yourself and remind yourself that being busy is not the goal. It is countercultural, but it's possible. And it's absolutely what you should be doing to make sure that you're getting the most important things done because the most important things are the things that are going to drive your business not just being busy. Last lesson before we get into some of the joys and the pain um, that I've learned is in your own business and in a small business, get ready for your Achilles heel to show up. <laughs> and by that what I mean is I remember when I was first starting the business, I was meeting with my pastor and you know he said, oh, your covering is about to go away. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And what that meant to me was, you know, like my I won't have a manager. I won't have systems, processes, tools, an IT team, you know, ex- certain expectations that kind of cover you and keep things running. Really when you're starting your own business, it's you. Like it's all on you. It is on you. And that's part of both the the joy and the challenge. You know, what you'll find is that when that covering goes away, You'll start to learn what you're really good at and what you're not because you don't have the covering. You don't have the support. You don't have these other tools and systems around you to help you be better in those areas. You know, you don't have expectations on what you're doing every quarter. It's really all up to you. And so one lesson I learned about that was when I first started the business, I would have thought when I started, I would have thought I was pretty good at details. Now, I know I've never loved details. It's not something I love to do. I really prefer to focus on the big picture, big milestones and, you know, details work themselves out. But I learned pretty early in my career in other organizations that the details are also super important. So by the time I left those roles, I felt like I was really good at both. I was good at both the big picture and managing all the details to go achieve that big picture. But when I started my own business, I learned that I really wasn't that good. I had people around me that were good at the details. So, you know, I had an amazing team by the time in my last role, I would hired most of them. I loved all of them and they just were super talented. And so a lot of my team was working on the details. I had a project coordinator that was amazing and she did a lot of the details. So when I started my own business, I pretty quickly learned that, yeah, I'd gotten better at it in my roles, but the way I'd gotten better was other people helping me to do it well. And when those people weren't there, nor was the detail orientation. (laughs) So I had to get better super quickly about that. So in your own business, whatever your Achilles heel is, by that I mean, you know, what's going to get you in trouble is probably going to get you in trouble. And so you have to go in being very self-aware and just always being open to feedback and how you can build your own self-awareness and having the humility to say, you know, that's working. That's not. I'm good at this. I'm really terrible at that. And figuring out how you shore that up, whether that's your own skill development, whether it's bringing other people or tools to support you, um, new ways of working, like what is it that's going to help you be better in that area? And how do you operate just with a lot of humility and openness to figuring out what you can, you know, what you're good at and what you're not, you know, one of the things John Maxwell said, who's a, I'm sure he's a pastor, but he's a, I guess a Christian author and, and coach of different business leaders and, uh, does a lot of training And one of the things he says is um, the leader is the cap, meaning the competence, the abilities of that leader is gonna cap the work of that team. And that's absolutely true in your business too. You are the cap. So you have to be operating at a very high level, um, a high level of humility, a high level of willing to learn and grow so that your business underneath you can essentially do the same thing. So I've used a few ways to seek feedback And then really take it to heart as well. One thing I did, and I've done it before as well, but even in writing the book, um, there's an activity in the book that I recommend people do. And it's basically you're asking other people for what they value most about you and what they think you can work on. And so I sent out emails to people I worked with closely and asked them, like, what do I do well and what could I work on? And several people didn't even want to complete it because- you know, people don't like giving feedback, but I was able to badger people enough to do it. Uh, My husband did it too, which was helpful. And their feedback was so kind, honestly. And it was so softly written. I had to sometimes follow up and say, do you mean this? (laughs) Do you mean that? Just to get the details. But that feedback helped me immensely. It helped me be a better coach. It helped me stop doing some things in the business, um, start doing other things. So seeking feedback regularly from the people who know you well is, you know, one way to overcome these challenges that we all have in our own development. Something else I do is after every coaching engagement or consulting engagement before, we definitely send surveys to our clients to find out, you know, what did you value the most? And what do you wish would have been different? Or um, how can we improve? How can we get better? So that's super helpful. And you know, I also really think deeply if I don't get the business for something. So, you know, if we don't get the contract, then asking. A lot of times people will actually tell you, can you tell me some, you know, insight on on why you selected someone else? Like that's really helpful. Or thinking about it yourself, trying to probe on, okay, why do you, why do we think we might not have gotten that particular contract or that particular business? Again, that helps you understand the strengths and opportunities in yourself as a leader and also the strengths and opportunities in your business. Because whatever your opportunity is as a leader, it's probably going to show up in your business. So You have to get ready to learn that, be really humble about it, grateful for the learning, not judge yourself for it or feel bad about it. Everyone has things they're working on, but be willing to put something in place to make that better, whether that's hiring someone else or just getting better at it yourself. So my last, you know, my My lesson learned in that is um, when you're operating for yourself, the covering's gone and you have to open up yourself to being self-aware, open to feedback, and figuring out how to change and grow in areas as needed. You know, you all know I read a ton of books. I watch podcasts. I take YouTube. I watch YouTube videos. I take classes. And so one of the positive opportunities in your own business is the opportunity to create the best version of yourself. And so I think that's what's required to have a business that is profitable and growing in the direction you want it to. So the next section I want to talk about are some of the joys, you know, pretty quickly and then some of the pains of owning and leading your own kind of service-based business. And I have three joys and three pains to share. So the first joy is just the flexibility. You know, every year I think about how my calendar worked for that year and I look forward to what's ahead for me for the next year. And I set up a calendar that makes sense for all the things I have in my life, my family things, my business things, the community things, you know, my own faith and spiritual development. I create a calendar that works for what, you know, you don't know all things, but for the things I know that are coming in that next year. And that's something I'm able to do, you know, in my own business that I really didn't have as much flexibility to do in the roles when I was working for other organizations. And, you know, just a couple ways I've done that. I remember the year my daughter graduated from high school. I really wanted to be fully present for that time. We had a lot of people coming in town. We had a party. There were lots of events associated with it. And I wanted to be able to work and plan and, you know, lay things out well and also really enjoy the moment (laughs) as well, not just be stressed and overworked and tired and not be able to join the moment. So I took off probably like three weeks during that time, both leading up to it and a little time after. I had a few meetings, but I pretty much blocked three weeks and I was like, I'm just going to focus on graduation festivities. And it was fun. And I even now remember that time as just such a joyful time. It's really one of the pivot points in my life. Like that's how joyful it was. And I won't get into the details of why, but it was amazing. So that's the kind of thing that being in your own business, you're able to do is you're able to manage your calendar in life with so much flexibility that for me, that's huge. And it's one of my biggest joys uh, to be able to look at all the things in my life and create space and time for those is definitely a joy. So that's one. The second one is the ability to create, you know, because at its heart, a small business, any business is about creating and creating value and creating offerings and services and ways of doing business and innovating. It's a lot about creating and I love creating. I consider myself a creative person, which I think of as being different than an artistic person. (laughs) So meaning I'm not saying that everything I create is amazing and beautiful and all those things, you know, but I like to draw, I like to color. I tried sewing, realized I'm not that great at it, but I've tried it, you know, I like to dance. I like being in creative activities and with your business, I'm able to provide, you know, create in an area I love, which is the work I do. So one of my other joys in this business is just the creative outlet that it offers me. It has been so much fun. It gives me so much energy and it's absolutely one of the greatest joys I have. So the creative aspect is one. And then the last one that I would say. From a joy standpoint, it's just the ability to hire and work with people I love and adore. You know, now this is easier early on in the business, probably. Initially, it gets harder as you move forward because you don't always know people as well. Uh, You still can do that, but it's harder to, you know, make sure you're finding those people. But, you know, the vast majority of the people I've had a chance to work with and hire were people that I've known before, or maybe I met them through someone else. And I've been able to hire and work with people I literally love and adore, you know, so they are the kind of people, they are the people I go to lunch with. I would go to a party with, I would spend my personal, you know, voluntary time with all of these people. And that has been a joy. It actually was similar for me in my last couple roles that I had in organizations as well, because I just had amazing teams. So I'd had that experience before. And it's one you can recreate in your own business as well, because when you work in other organizations, while you can create that sometimes, sometimes you're on a team with people that just, whew, you know, it's tough to work with <laughs> and that challenges you in other ways and grows you in other ways too. So I'm also glad I had those experiences, but most experiences for me in the small business side have been just creating, working with partnering with people I just love spending time with. And that is absolutely another one of the joys. So I don't want to share the joys without sharing the pains as well, because I said I wanted to share some just things to consider if you're considering starting a business or just something you want to learn more about. And one of the pains I've had, and this is going to sound probably odd for someone working in an organization, and it's not something I ever thought I would say, but I remember being a couple years into the business and thinking, I just wish I had some performance objectives. Like, just tell me what to do, please. Because in your own business, you make so many decisions. And sometimes that can be exhausting. You know, it's almost like, wow, I wish someone could just tell me what to do to create a profitable business so I can just do that. I could just focus on executing as opposed to deciding. As I mentioned before, one of the joys of the business is the creative side. But when you have to create everything, the business name, the how you're going to operate, the procedures, all that creation can get absolutely exhausting. And so the amount of decisions and independence I had was tough. And so it requires you to get really comfortable making decisions to build a lot of self-confidence in your own decisions and the advisors that you have around you. So you don't have to make it yourself. Uh, You can have other wise people, advisors around you to help you. But at the end of the day, you know, especially in small business and how I started with just myself, I had to make that call and make that decision. And so it forces you to get more comfortable with that, which I always liked making decisions. (laughs) So it wasn't always bad. It just, it was so many and it was a new space. So I found it very challenging and you have to get comfortable with that. I'm making the best decision that I can with the information I have at this time. And knowing that you can always revise that decision later as needed. You may have consequences for doing that, but you can revise it. But one of the biggest pains I have found is just there are no performance objectives unless you create them. And so you don't have anyone telling you what to do. So you're always in the decision seat. You're always in the hot seat. And for some people, that is more than what they want to deal with. I was talking to someone the other day and they had this great business idea. And I was like, oh my God, I love that you know, you should do it. And I was kind of getting excited about it. And they said, I don't want to do that. I was like, well, what do you mean you don't want to do it? Uh, they're like, I don't want to do all that work. I don't want to make all those decisions. Like that wasn't something they thought was a great idea, but they had no interest in turning that idea into a business. And it just reminded me that it's not for everyone. Um, they wanted to spend their time and energy on other things, not making a thousand decisions. So that is that has been one of the pains for me. It continues to be something I have to do so that's something to consider if you're if you want to start your own business. So another thing that has been tough for me is missing my people. You know, especially in the part of me if I go back to what I was talking about earlier about do you have a job or a business? In the part of work for me that's a job where I'm actually doing the work is it can be lonely, right? Cuz one of the things I love doing now and loved in my other roles was leading a team. I mean, I feel like it's one of the things I'm called to do. I love it. I love leading teams of people. I love working with peers that I love. Um, I loved having a manager that could provide advice and mentorship and guidance and feedback and all those great things as well. So, you know, but when I first started the service-based business, as I mentioned, because of, you know, how I was running the business, it was just me. So it was just me. And that got lonely at times. You know, I ended up getting a co-working space so I could get out more. And even though those weren't my people necessarily, at least I was around people. So I could hear the buzz of other people and their conversations. I met a couple people there as well. But it's just different than having, being in an organization, having peers, you know, a manager, sometimes other managers or mentors that you have, the team that you lead, this kind of support system around you. In starting a new small business can be gone. And that for me was tough. I miss the team. I miss my peers. I mean, I still talk to them, you know what I mean? So they're still my people. I still, we're still in a relationship and conversation, but we're not all focused on achieving this goal together. You know, that's what I mean by the team aspect. So As I've grown different aspects of the business, I've been able to build parts of that, but it still feels really different than it did in organization. Now, as I grow the business and get bigger, it probably feels more like that um, than it does right now, but it still feels really different. And that is absolutely one of the pieces that I miss and something I'm working on towards next year, just in terms of my office space and other things that can give me elements of it because it is one of the things I miss so much. So the last pain I wanted to share is I would call it doing the detailed work. And I share with you all that, you know, details are not like my strong suit. It's not the things I love to do. And it hit me when we sold in, when I sold in the first large scale projects, I started the business by myself. And I remember when we got the yes that we got in the contract, it was a mixture for me of joy. Like, wow, this is real, you know, real money. Like I did it. And then fear or surprise, like, but who's going to do this work? <laughs> because if you if you have a path that was similar to mine and maybe you spend a lot of time in different organizational roles, by the time I left my last organizational role, as I mentioned, I had a team. I had a team of people I was leading. I had peers. I had managers. We had other teams doing other work, right? So we had an IT team and a marketing team and people doing design. I had some consultants I was working with. You know, It's this whole team of people. So when I saw on the project, it was like a a sharp realization that, oh my gosh, I have to do all this work. And I hadn't done all the work for a project in a long time. And so now I understand too why some companies, when they're doing hiring interviews, they want to know the type of company you work for because they want to know, you know, have you been with one or two people where you got to do it all? Or have you been with 50 people where you're doing some of it, but it's a lot of other people doing stuff too, because those are two very different ways of working. So for me, I'd gotten used to kicking off work, supporting work, doing some of the work with other people, but not doing all the work. And, you know, when you're in your own business, that's an element of it. Doing the work, hands on keyboard, doing the work is absolutely an element of it. And even today, you know, aspects of the business that I've grown, there are still times where, as I mentioned, the creation part, part of that creation is hands-on keyboard doing the work where I'm literally thinking of new processes or new ideas, you know, figuring out new operating procedures, just doing a lot of the thinking, laying it out, hands-on keyboard type of work. And for me, that was honestly a surprise for me. I don't know if I'd really thought through that in starting the business, like how different that was going to be in terms of how i spent my time. So i would recommend really thinking about if you know if i'm in this business or as i grow this business or whatever, you know, direction your business may be taking, like how am i going to be spending my time and is that appealing to me? Because i don't, i'd not thought through that enough. So that first year, i don't know, year year and a half or so, i just had so much hands-on keyboard type work that i was doing that I kind of felt like in some ways I'd taken a step back in a way I was back to doing things I hadn't done in a while, like, you know, A to Z, even though in other ways I was doing other elements around selling in the business, the strategic elements of it, but I was kind of doing the other things too. So just be clear uh, as you think about a business that you're growing or starting, what, how my day is going to be spent? You know, if, if this work is getting done in the way I want it to get done, who's doing it? And how am I going to be spending my time? Because that was a real wake up call for me. And even today is like, I start new things. It requires me to go block off time and just get like super into the details of something before I can pull up from it. And because that's not something I love to do, that has been a pain point for me that I've had to just, you know, kind of suck it up and do it anyway, because it's important to me, but it's not something that I would call my favorite thing to do in the business. So I hope this episode was helpful to you. If you've ever considered starting a service-based business. If you're currently running a service-based business or just want to know, just interested in learning more about how small businesses work, these are definitely my experiences. And I think they relate to certainly the experiences of other people that I've interacted with as well. Um, so I hope they're helpful to you as you just learn more about small business and especially service-based small businesses. So as always, I'd love to stay connected. You can find me on Instagram at Arlene underscore underscore Green. I'd love to hear from you and until next time, be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where just for joining, you will receive a checklist for getting your LinkedIn profile in top shape and a link to the first chapter of my book. Click join the crew in the show notes. I also invite you to visit my website where you can shop our t shirt collection designed to help you fulfill your purpose, love your work, and enjoy your life. I have them all, wear one almost every episode, and know you will love them. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Let's go.